Hello and welcome to Devices of Issues, the foul-mouthed, spoiler-filled comic book podcast where we talk about comic books. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. So, Daryl, tell us what you gave us to read today. Uh, so we're going to be reading something a little different than, like, Black Panther and more Edgelord <laughs> books. We're going to be reading My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness by Nagata Kabi. Wait, say the full title. The Private Report on My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness. Have to say yes. the whole title. <laughs> yes, that, that's the whole title. It's by Nagata Kabi. She, it's, it's basically a memoir about this woman going to see a female prostitute and pay to have sex with her. And I, I picked this because I had seen some um, rumblings on it on Twitter. There were people talking about it, like how important it was to the gay community and some thoughts on that. And I, I just picked it up because I'm like, I'm going to see what this is like. And then I ended up reading like the whole thing that day because I found it very fascinating. Because it's not just like, oh, what is it like being like a gay woman in Japan? It's more, what is it like living with crippling anxiety to the point where you're like on the verge of death? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's more of an it, for me. Like, I thought this was going to be like a like coming out of the closet type. Yeah, of story. So did it's, I. It's, it's largely about like her her anxiety issues. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was at, uh, I'll be honest and say I wasn't looking uh, that much forward to it. As soon as I started reading, guys, I, I, I just like Daryl. I was like running through it because it's very engaging. But I was expecting it to be more t- more titillating. Till exactly, I don't want to say about like, but like, well, yeah. To be fair, on the cover, it does show two naked people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not a very sexy book at all. Yeah. Like, it is not. It's, a, the, it's like a very unsexy book. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's more oh, of a yeah. like American like Chester Brown, whatever that writer is. Like, the art is a lot better than that. Jeffrey Brown. Jeffrey Brown. Like very yeah. indie, uh, personal experience kind of story. Yep. And even when I was reading it, I, I was expecting. I, I was like, I wasn't sure where I was going, but. It, it it does a lot of good things. Uh, we'll get into that. I think this is not only one of my favorite books we've done for the show. This is like one of my favorite books now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's up there for me. It's one of the best ones for the show. I really enjoyed it. And that's the thing is I had read this and then I was like pushing for us that, oh, guys, like we need to cover this. But then you guys are like, let's do Ultimate since it's our anniversary. And I'm yeah. sitting there like with this in the back of my head, like I want to talk about the material in it. And meanwhile, we have to talk about Hulk Horny. <laughs> Well, now you know how I felt when I had to put Punisher 2099 in the back burner for half a year. <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's quite the same. This is this is Punisher 2099 of manga. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah it is exactly. <laughs> oh boy. So when did this come out? Like uh, tw- at least 2015 was like the last story, but I don't know when the actual year of this one is. So it's definitely like very new. Yeah, very new. Yeah, cool. I mean, she talks about like using Twitter and everything in it. Yeah. All right, um, so we're just going to jump right in since we don't have, like, a lot of experience with the author's, uh, the, the previous works she had published. Oh, we should also mention uh, thoughts on art. I just want to say, uh, we were talking about um, maybe being tilting. I just want to say I really like, it's, it's a very cartoony kind of style, and it does show a good job showing the character's anxiety because she looks stressed out in almost every panel. <laughs> uh, so, like, ex- yeah, there's yeah. a few times she doesn't, and that's when she's, like, Finding her passion or something, or drinking yeah. the sweet nectar of life. And when she's happy, she looks like she's on drugs and like intoxicated. Like it's a very yeah. expressive art style. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Really and like it's it even though it's in the it's very like in the manga style. It like there's so many little things like just the way they like draw like her hair and like stuff like that that really it gives it such a relatable feel. It's, yeah, she, it's a lot more. It's way less like anime and way more character esque. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Type, definitely. Where it's like everyone has like. There's, like, no detail in the eyes, really. It's just, like, dots for eyes and their little heads. And their bodies are just, like, a lot of times it's, like, a little pawn chess piece type of body. Mm-hmm. It just goes straight down. And um, I really like the art style, too. I think it's very expressive. And it's it exhibits one of the weirdest things you feel, or like, about this in that the subject matter is really not funny, but she yeah. she makes it so funny due to her drawings, and it's yeah. it gives you such a conflicted feel because she'll say stuff. It's like, and then I broke down crying in the street, and like no one came up to talk to me. And the drawings just like a little picture of her looking like so absent minded with like big gloppy tears in her eyes and yeah. she's saying like a thought bubble comes up and it's like i guess i should die now yeah and, she, and yeah. She'd, be, she'd be like wow like little chibi like little chibi characters like, <laughs> yeah if, like breaking down on a job interview and crying is like pretty pretty indicative of a pretty 
pretty severe depression. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, it's, it is funny looking because she, she is going, wah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like all the other things, like when she's like overeating in stores, like it'll show her like she looks crazed and manic and there's all like this food around her and she's just like eating it wildly. And it's it's funny because you see that in like other types of manga where you're you're meant to it's meant to elicit a laugh where it's like, ha, oh, look how like out of control or crazy this character is. But then this is a memoir. Like this actually happened to her. And this is really sad that this has yeah. been going on. It's yeah. really fucking sad. That, that dichotomy really spoke to me because like it's gives this extra vulnerability to it where she's obviously like uncomfortable, uh-huh. like just laying that self out there. And she's just like covering it up with these jokes while still being like incredibly honest and like, Hey, it me, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also, the other dichotomy that really stood out to me is the way she draws sex because the sex in the book, it's like between the two partners, like she'll draw the prostitute, like very like conventionally attractive. It, it's, it's a lot of like, um, sketches of nude models kind of a thing. Yeah, and but at the same time, like there's scenes from different perspectives where like it'll be very, very sexy, and then other times where it's not at all. And like the way she's drawing scenes completely is informed by her perspective at the time. Mm-hmm. And like I really love that because yeah, it's, like, it's re- she always draws the prostitutes as looking attractive and nice, and they have like good uh, physical proportions. And she often draws herself looking way more like gangly. And weird, yeah. and especially just like her face, always looking panicked and worried, and like out there. Yeah, yeah, and it, she just has such control over the tone of every page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the the book starts with her explaining that on May 2015, at the age of 28, she experienced her first sexual experience with another person. It was an older lesbian prostitute, and she explains. She starts off saying like. I I wasn't like I was so worried I didn't really have any sexual feelings and I have this bald spot on my scalp from um I think it's called trichotillomania it's basically when you're pulling your own hair out and yeah she they has... didn't clarify that that much but uh uh at first but later on they do say like oh I need to stop pulling my hair out but uh, yeah it took a while for me to realize that was what it was trichotillomania yep and there's self-inflicted cup cuts up and down her arms. And so it's like there's all these like flaws in her and she she goes back and she tries to relay about like, all right, how did I get here if like I'm in this position? And she explains how she graduated from high school and that it was like happy and normal. She had a nice high school life. And then she ended up going to a university but leaving halfway through just because she doesn't really explain. She just is like, I, yeah, I guess I'll quit. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's, a few, there's a few flaws in the story. Like some stuff doesn't get explained until it comes up. Well, it, it's always weird talking about like the flaws in it when it's a person's like memoir. It's how they're remembering yeah. things. Because she has like a lot of things where it's like, oh, I guess I didn't realize about that. Like we'll get into it. She talks about like thinking about sex and she did not think about it at all until yeah. she was like 28. <laughs> the, the big one for me was she doesn't talk about her manga at all until she realized that's what I do want to do my life. Like she doesn't talk about yeah. it at all. <laughs> I actually felt a lot of those exemptions were intentional because like a lot of the narrative structure of the story is about how like she's kind of wandering around aimlessly and yeah. having her just drop out of college kind of like without explanation fits with this like she doesn't fit in anywhere mentally. Talent. Yeah, and and also like uh, she doesn't really understand why she's she doesn't understand why she's so miserable and like that, and like mm-hmm. she doesn't really so like the fact that we don't know why she dropped out of college or why she did pursue her manga for so long kind of uh, reaffirms that point. Her aimlessness, like mm-hmm. you're aimless with her, because yeah. you don't you don't have that obvious answer in front of you. Like she yeah, have where it's like mind. this is what I was meant to do. Yeah. So if anything, yeah. she drops out of college and then she signs up for a job at like a grocery store and this is where she starts explaining that what she's looking for is something a place that she belongs to a place where she can go and be accepted by everyone and they can be supportive and like a family but then she finds out because she's always like she's always late arriving there that they yell at her and they scold her and they're telling her it's like you're not in school anymore you can't keep doing this yeah and she realized which is uh, that's one of the saddest things about this comic when she went to uh, work looking for a new family like she calls mm-hmm. it a new family and like which is the saddest fucking concept i've ever heard in my fucking life yeah and they say like this, this is and she realizes after the guy scolds her that this is just a place where you can make wages like that's yeah. all it is i mean i'm here i'm only here as long as i make a uh, profit for the company mm-hmm. yeah 
and um she explains that she she's like five foot five but she weighs 83 pounds and yeah. like she, she was really like gangly and she felt like she couldn't eat anything she didn't deserve to eat like she'd be punished if she bought cake and she yeah. she had no right to drink alcohol and stuff it, it's a good first chapter because it hits you with all the important sympathizable things for a lot of other people but very relatable people for those that like self-harm or the, for those that have severe anxiety and depression like she says how um from someone that self-harm they said when my mind is hurting there's no shape or mark to look at so i can understand it very well but when my body yeah. hurts it's so easy to grasp that it helps me to calm down she explains this idea that all the invisible pain inside of you sometimes you really want to to bring that out on your body because then you can understand it and you can show other people yeah. it's like I'm suffering. This is how much I'm suffering. You can actually like see it. It's visible. And this is why it's a, this art style is a good choice too, because since it's so cartoony and they show like cartoony visualizations of like her cutting herself, like a di- it's like a diagram, hurt, mm-hmm. invisible. This is visible. Like it's like a diagram showing of how this works. Uh, since it's such a emotional uh, story about anxiety, uh, it, there's no like incongruity between the styles. Like you, yeah. you, it goes behind her mind to the reality. It's like very flows very well. Yeah, And one of the things, too, is I feel like I've read a lot of books like this, and a lot of times, even when it's a personal memoir, it comes across, like, exposition dumpy to me, where it's like, these are all the things that I did, and these are all the ways that I was hurting, but this feels very personal, where it's never like, this is a thing that people do, it's this is how I felt at this moment, and this is how I expressed it, and Mm -hmm. even though I've read stories with very similar characters and very similar, like, connotations... This felt very like a friend was telling me this and opening up to me much mm-hmm. more than like, this is a, you know, a, like how I got over my depression. It's like, this felt very relatable and personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, she explains that like she had gone from never eating to starting never to stop overeat eating. and be like yeah. bulimic where she would, during her job, she'd run to the bathroom during the breaks and just start eating food wildly. And she explains it. It's like, this shows you the, the depth of like, um, kind of like how, how troubled she is that she'd take out ramen out of a bowl, just the noodles. Uh. And she didn't have time to cook it. So she'd start biting the noodles and like pour the, the powder packet over the noodles, but like none of it, really helped the noodles were so hard she started bleeding <laughs> yeah the noodles from her mouth. Yeah. it was this picture that really stuck out to me of the of the ramen all jagged at the top from her biting and yeah. it said it says deadly weapon and it's covered in blood yeah. and it's like it's it's not funny Wait, but it, like, yeah which is that that's the 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 juxtaposition of this where you're like this is like a really sad event that happened but then it shows her like putting on the the powder on the noodles and she's just got like this dead eye stare at it with like a smile on because she's like oh yeah. this would be good and then she ended up saying that uh after six months of living like that uh one morning she was going to work and she just dropped in the middle of the street and started crying and then she got a message on her phone that same day about that the manager was so upset that she was fired yeah Mm -hmm. that kind of uh she talked about how that threw her because that was her her family and and her like connection to like community and now it's gone and she was like hurled into the void again she like there's some image there's some like illustrations of like her and inside her it's like all the things she, she defined herself as and as she lost those things like as she lost high schooler and became you know adult like she starts to like fade away and she's like i don't know what i am i am you know if i don't have an identity yeah and job she tried to fill she tried to like fills fill, she tries to fill the void with job and then she because of her anxiety she ends up not showing up and is late all the time her parents don't understand either yeah her, her parents too. are very like a very traditional as we think of like a traditional japanese family where it's like oh you go to work you get a job you have children it's like you you, you be at peace with what you do in your it's, life it's interesting because like this is the stuff you hear about japanese culture uh high school is the best years of your life then it all goes downhill yeah yeah uh, you, you live for your, to serve your parents basically and you go to live a traditional lifestyle and that's kind of what she's anxious about because she wants to please her parents around this time we also get some insight into her parents how they view like her mental illness too because she's hospitalized for a little while she comes out and the doctor said you need to get plenty of rest and the parents are like haven't you been resting this whole time mm-hmm. and it's like that's such yeah. a real like it's because from their perspective she's literally like like not going to work and hanging out so but for her it's like uh, the anxiety has been so draining on her yeah it's like she's she's trying to get up every day to do all this stuff and that it's not rest to her but from everyone else it doesn't look like they're trying 
Like they're very uh, literal, uh, and while she's trying to uh, open up, go to emotional support. Like they, she talks about how she always feels like she's bouncing a cup full of water in her head and not being allowed to spill a single drop. Yeah, that's what yeah. she says. That's what anxiety feels like. That's such a great analogy. And her mom is like, "But you have no cup. Like get over yeah. it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she ends up getting like so depressed. She just lays in bed and she talks about, "I was disappointed in in how pathetic and incapable I turned out to be. I don't know how I could possibly feel more disappointed in myself." Is a line that. I would return to several times over. And yeah. she mentions that she even feels like that she should die, but she gets angry at herself for feeling like you've done nothing in your life to even like deserve death. At least like struggle to get back up and then you can decide if you can die. And it's like that that's how the first chapter ends. Even if she was to die, it would even that would be a big waste. And, like, she should earn something before she lets herself die. And I was like, shit. Yeah, and it's like, after that first chapter, it's like, oh, there's, like, there's no mention of, like, sexual experience or interested women. It's just, like, it's a very crushing anxiety-filled. It almost starts on a joke where it's, like... Yeah, where it's her cowering before the prostitute. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like the the joke that they have in movies where she's in a crazy situation. She turns to the camera saying, I bet you're wondering how I got here. (laughs) Flashback. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, I I guess that's how you got here. <laughs> oh, no, it's at, at, when I finished that, I was like, how does she get there? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next chapter opens up, and basically the whole thesis of like her anxiety is that she focuses all on what her parents want. She mm-hmm. never thinks about what she wanted. She grew her whole life living this way. So like now that she's old, uh, she's trying to please her parents. Like She got a job at a bakery. A part-time like, yeah, job. P- part-time. Very important. Oh, even this. This scene like fucking hit me so hard. Because she says, before long, I'd found a normal routine. Waking in the morning, sleeping at night, three meals a day. She's like, I did it. It's such a simple thing, but I feel like I've come so far. And she has, like, there's, the art has a medal that says normal routine. Yeah, yeah and in one hand and in the other hand, it says job. And she's running up to her mom with the medals. <laughs> yeah, so she gets this part-time job five days a week. And... She's like, look, I'm so excited. Aren't you proud of me? And they say, but it's only part time, right? It's not like you're actually in employment. And I was like, God damn it. Yeah. And she's like, I'm making so much money that she's like, I saved yeah, up a million you... yen, which is $10,000. And dad's like, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you can't, you can't rent a place of that. You, yeah. If you have a full-time job, people won't even rent out a place to you. And she says like later on, she found that's not true, but her parents made her doubt herself. So she didn't even Yeah. That, her. that to me is so powerful. Cause she's like, I'm going to move up and move into my own place. And her dad's like, nobody will rent to you if all you have is a part-time job. And even though she can, just be like she doesn't know that yet so she stays home for years yeah because she just like trusted her dad and she wants to like she wants to start paying rent to her family and she's like no we can't pay, take accept that go find yourself a real job then maybe mm-hmm. you can pay rent uh so like uh she's like why am i even earning this money and she it's kind of like it's interesting like she's like trapped between like worlds between like uh she's no longer useless, but uh, because she's not a full-time job where her parents seem successful, she's like, basically, it doesn't matter what she's accomplishing anyway. Mm-hmm. So she's still, tr- so she's like, fuck it, I'm going to try to go for a real job. So she gets a sue and she's like, I'm going to go for job interviews. And um, she goes to job interviews and here's another really sad part. Uh, uh, she- <laughs> this this whole like arc is really sad. Yeah, it's like yeah. She, goes, she goes to a job and they're like, so uh, what, what do you like to do? And she stops and thinks like, what do I like to do? And she's like, oh, uh, manga. And she's like, oh, starts crying, opening up to these interviewers and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's like, you should pursue manga. Don't try to be a baker or whatever. Just go do your manga. Which which is like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I couldn't. Like, I was trying to imagine job interviews where you just start crying and like, <laughs> yeah. or like, I, I want to do something else. And I'm trying to be like, okay, go do that thing. Yeah, because she goes on three job interviews. And it's the second one where she cries to the guy. And the third one where she's talking to these two guys. And there's this one guy. And he's drawn all nicely. And he's always smiling. And he's like, well, what do you feel like passionate about? Because we want people that are passionate here. And she says about manga and she mentions that she had um she says nobody had ever rejected the manga i drawn before but then nobody had really affirmed it either yeah yeah and she had s- submitted some stuff to some magazines and was shortlisted for a newcomers award so it's like oh she does have it like at least like some kind of hobby that she seems to be good at and it says like yeah. that and when you say that your eyes light up and that's the kind of passion that we want here and then it shows her walking out with like a, a blank glossy-eyed look and then the guy comes out he peeks out the door and gives her a thumbs up and says good luck with your manga and leaves he said i really <laughs> meant it good luck yeah and then she just ends up crying on the subway and she's crying so like she's, she's smiling and crying like <laughs> Uh, boogers are coming out of her nose yeah. and she's like i'm so happy yeah 
And it's one of those things where it's so sad to get like no affirmation for something that you're you could potentially be very passionate about, except from a random stranger that you were looking for a job for. Yeah, like she has to go to like again, she has to go to uh, work to get any kind of. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is she comes home and then she says like, "I I wanted to be a grown up like that, and I I couldn't sit around obsessing what my parents thought of me forever." She was gonna finally start drawing uh, manga. And then she says it to her, her mom. I've I've decided to start drawing manga. It's just this really funny panel of her mom with like a smile on her face, and all she says is "Why?" Period. Not even question mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? <laughs> the thing that I I love about this is like this is something that I actually like think about a lot is that the random person has such this huge impact on her she even says to this day when i'm working on drafts i think back to his face and his good luck and my back arches and i sit up and like she wants to make this stranger proud Mm -hmm. and like this stranger told her exactly what she needed to hear when the people that love her don't give a shit about what she wants at all Yeah. yeah and like that just to me is such a powerful thing of like you never know when you're going to be like the the random guy that people remember. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's times that like I've had like a minute conversation with someone on a bus and like we'll remember it forever for some bizarre reason. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're somebody if you're somebody angry. like she says later on basically all she really wants is a hug from somebody and it's like I just yeah. want a hug and like basically like that's kind of what these people give her like they give her uh, uh, just some advice and a pickup and that's all, that's all she really needed because her family wasn't giving it to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she talks about how she, she started drafting to magazines, uh, trying to get published. And she she like joined the group of people working uh, making manga, but she didn't work out with them. And even even when she's talking about this, she says like, but in terms of feeling uncomfortable, if I was to compare the feeling of trying to make myself seem better than I am and the feeling of accepting myself, but having the other people in my life completely reject the things that I'm doing she she would take the former any day of the week and it shows like her with her family and like on new year's day the family's all together and she's just like depressingly drawing manga while they're just like staring at her in the background yeah. mm-hmm. and then like that's when she joins the group like you said and she just can't work with other people and she and she falls into a deeper depression because her her, uh, her money from her old job is, is running out the bakery job uh now she's like two years without a, a job so now she's unemployable like if you don't have a job for two years you're gonna see that she in- levels up into further into the ranks of the unemployable <laughs> yeah and it's her like with one eye closed like <laughs> yeah, yeah doing like the victory pose yeah, ta. <laughs> yeah. yeah and she's just like i can't go on living I, I really have don't have any choice but to die but she's like no i have to make my manga debut i have to make my manga debut and finally uh she gets published and she talks about how at first i feel like she finally stepped down to the light but then once the magic wore off, she found like like she, her brain couldn't work anymore. Like her mind was empty, and it shows like rocks rolling out of her her skull and like onto the floor and stuff like that. And like uh, she can't think anymore, and like she's being squashed. And she talks about how she can't read even. Yeah, like she says, I literally cannot read, and she has to go to a hospital, and they give her medication, and then she's able to read again. Yeah, and that's that's when she starts reading about her sexual issues which is, <laughs> yeah. that's now the sexual issues are coming to play but yeah one of the things that does a theme that comes back Sly mentioned it but she feels like she's being forced into a small and suffocating space mm-hmm. yeah and that like that's anxiety yeah and she says reading this book about uh children have been abused uh a victim of domestic violence and she says she's never been a victim of domestic violence but a lot of it relates to her about like how boys are excessively clinging to their mothers, and it's because they want to have sex with their mothers deep down. <laughs> yeah. And she says like, "I want to have sex with my mom." Like, yeah. Like she talks about how she, uh, like she, she, she was always clingy. She was always want to touch her and hold her mom when she was a child. She'll cry when she's at school and her mom wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she would get excited when she saw her mom changing. Uh, she wanted to touch her mom's boobs. <laughs> like if her mom checked her butt for a rash, she'd be very excited. Like, yes, my mom's looking at my mother's butt. <laughs> and she just wants to t- uh, suck on her mom's boobs like she did when she was a baby. I like that she says, I saw somewhere on Twitter where there were people talking about like an article about this. She says yeah. that apparently women expect most men are just looking for a mother who will let them have sex with her. And she says, ah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, I want a mother. I, I love that because she yells it and it's in big letters. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And then the caption is, I thought to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that that's pretty fun. That's pretty warped. <laughs> well, well, what's really interesting is how like, because a lot of times you get like the Mark Millar stuff where there's all that, there's the edible concepts 
that are in yeah. there, but they're like deeply ingrained. He does makes no real mention of it. That it's like I'm banging yeah. my dad's girlfriend to get close to my yeah. dad type of a thing. But here it's like she was yeah. just like, no, this is like all right, this is what I wanted. But then she clarifies. Yeah. There's a picture of her like hugging this big ball that's the concept of a mother, and she yeah. says, "Let me say here, maybe to some people, maybe a mother is just someone who does housework for you. What I was looking for was kind of more the generic concept of a mother that everybody longs for. This great acknowledging, and accepting presence." <laughs> And it's her hugging the warm points of her mom, like her armpits. And she's like, oh, I want to do this to some girl who isn't my mother and feel calm and safe with her. Yeah. And then she starts going into how, like, she wants to embrace a voluptuous, mature lady. She's (laughs) reading all these articles. And, like, because she has such this repressed sexuality, her mom just is, like, the only woman that she's Mm -hmm. allowed to, like, touch at all. Yeah. So she's putting all these psychosexual elements onto it. But, like... I, I love this idea that she, like, has these questions that are, it's like, is there something really wrong with me? And then she, like, starts reading other people and she realizes, like, no, it's just because she's the only person I interact with. Also, that fits uh, my uh, sexuality. her mother is so, like, cold to her now. But she says yeah. when she was a baby, she was very warm and nurturing. And that's what she wants. She basically wants somebody to treat her like her mother treated her when she was a baby. Somebody to nurture her, care for her, and tell her to write. And she yeah, says why people do diaper play, you know? Yeah. And she says... <laughs> um, uh, like, like uh, all she wants, like doing therapy, and she was so, go, go therapy and stuff like that. She just wants to see out. Just give me a hug. That's what I really want. Like mm-hmm. she'll be at work, and she's like, I wish somebody would just hug me right now. Like this, all she wants is somebody to hug yeah, her. It, and it's very lying. clear that she just has like a severely like arrested development type of state where she she even mentions where it's like she wishes she could stay little and as a kid. And that's kind of what she's been doing throughout her whole life, which is why she like she rejects alcohol and she rejects sex because you get to a point where it's like I should I should have just been a kid forever type of thing. And yeah. what kids a lot, you know, what they need is love and affection. So yeah. it's like that's all she's really looking for is for someone to treat her with love and affection that she got, you know, um, unconditionally as a child. Yeah. So she gets a job as like a a big – she's like in a, a big costume like holding like, up signs yeah. for like an arcade. And she just like has little bear. kids hug her all the time. And she's like, wait, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Because she she had always just wanted to be hugged, but she thought that it would fill the hole in her heart and fix everything, but it doesn't. And the thing that I like about this, too, is she, like, does this because she's like, I just want to get hugged. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. Like, every time I talk to people, I just want hugs. And then someone hugs her, and she immediately hates it because she's like, it's just because I'm wearing the suit. And she realizes, like, it's not that she wants someone to just hug her body. It's someone wants them to hug her identity. Like, yeah. she, they want, she wants someone who will accept her for who she is. Yeah, and she says how uh, she was searched for free hugs on her phone. <laughs> and she, <laughs> yeah, but and she none, says... No news of free hugs ever came. Yeah, and uh, she said... She wanted to be of a woman because uh, she didn't want to admit to herself that she was a female. She she didn't want I, I hate the idea that belonged to a gender. Uh, and she hated the idea of people say, "Oh, you're a grown woman now, and now you're a man. Now you're not you're a fully grown woman." She just uh, she wanted to be herself before she, she said, was. A, she says, a woman. "I I was scared of being like I was scared of being overly defined by those expectations of what like a woman was in Japan." Yes, yeah, she I said thought was really somehow before I was me, I was a woman. Yeah, and and like she talks about how she reads Yao and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she uh, she looks at male naked bodies, but she she finds a female body more attractive. So it's not just like she was a lesbian all along. I'm out of the closet. She she has like uh, I don't know. She has interest in both sexes, but like she, because of uh, she she finds a female body more attractive overall, and because of. But these... she wasn't lusting for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she looked at uh, naked guys and was like, "That's very cool or interesting." And then she sees a naked lady <laughs> and she starts drooling. She says, yeah. "Fucking saved." On <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's interesting because it shows, like, it's not just, like, a simple sexual issue. It's, like, her anxiety playing into her sexuality mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then she says, like, as you can probably guess by writing about it now, at the time I was totally clueless. Like, I didn't understand any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she was, like, and I realized, like, I, I decided I shouldn't think think about that. So she, like, refuses to think about sex at all. So all of her, like, sexual impulses and, and urges are funneled into this, like, hugging mindset. Yeah, this, this yeah. super repressed... Yeah, mindset. Yeah, and uh, she talks about this is where she comes to a conclusion that like all her life she she only cared about not even her parents but the me that she created to please her parents mm-hmm. and like yeah. she, this image of herself that will basically be the one to satisfy her parents' needs and that will always take priority like uh, over her and she like didn't even really know what she really was like what her real sexual uh, desires were so she's like I'm gonna call up a prostitute and find out what my real desires are 
and she, that's when she gets his desire <laughs> that, to call. That was my favorite. Is the reveal is so good in this because she says, I don't care like if her inner desire is something shocking or embarrassing or whatever, and it shows like a person flashing another person. She just yeah. wants to know her true feelings, and they should be in there somewhere. It, it could be something shameful, embarrassing, and then it just shows her face, and she goes, oh, it's sex. <laughs> yeah, and that's an issue too. Yeah, and at this point, it establishes this uh, recurring theme of her inner struggle between the real her and the one that exists to please her parents. That's going to kind of come up throughout the whole book where it's like the two of them are fighting and they have different t-shirts that one says parents greater than me. And one says me greater than parents. Yeah. Yeah. She talks about how she's never thought about sex and like, can't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Like she can't even like say it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, She can't write it in her books. (laughs) Later on, she mentions that uh, when she first wrote the story, she called it Osex, which is like a way of making it uh, less dirty in Japanese. (laughs) Polite. It's like a polite way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like intercourse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so issue three is making the reservation, where she's essentially going to book a reservation with her first lesbian prostitute. Um, And it starts out with her just like looking into it, she's like, wow, look at the girls I can pick from. I have to look up a a love hotel where we're going to go. And then she realizes she needs to start taking care of herself because she looks at herself and she's like, I've never, like, I could go five days without bathing. You know, I I don't work out. Yeah, she she hasn't shaved the the hair on her legs or arms. Yeah, she has clothes with holes in it uh, that she wears every day. Yeah, which, I mean, wait, again, when you're a depressed person, you really don't care how you look. And yeah. she says, like, uh, she realizes, like, it was a lot of effort and, like, she hated the idea of taking a, a bath every day and stuff like that. But she realized that she was basically investing in herself. And, like, the more you treasure yourself and take care of yourself, like, her mother and, like, her dad start to be like, hey, you're, you don't smell anymore. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. It's like, wow, I'm actually appealing, appealing to them, like, them and people around me just by not being, by not, uh, like, being depressive sack all the time. Yeah. And I love when she's working out, it's her doing like a stretch and it's labeled beautiful body, appreciated body. <laughs> and like her hair is still really frizzy. Yeah. I also like how there's a picture, there's the, like Ryan said before, the two, the real me and the me trying to please my parents. And the me trying to please my parents is like, can we do this? Are we really allowed to? And the real me is like, yes, we're going to do this and dragging her. <laughs> yeah. It also like, it, it speaks to how the, the, the sad fact of when you are depressed and you like, you want other people to look after you and help you that when you do it for yourself and you get rid of the desire, then you get what you want more. Yeah. 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 Cause, you, Cause she says like, uh, when I was looking for everyone's uh, love and affection, I was becoming a burden to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get what you want, you need to, not always go straight for it and beg for it. You have to, like, work on it on your own. Yeah, yeah. you have to help yourself. Uh, yeah, you gotta get bootstraps. So this is actually, this is actually <laughs> a probably good podcast. Always bringing it back to fucking capital. <laughs> <laughs> and then she eventually starts to, like, look more presentable. But the big thing that's bothering her is her bald spot. Yeah, she's like, hair. She's, she's like, out. it's going to be, like, if only I could fix my bald spot, it's going to be gross. She's like, should I just tell them right away and say, hey, by the way, I have a bald spot. Or like, should I let them just see it? Because she's because she's, she's like, if she, she's worried, like, uh, she'll be like in passionate throes of love, and the person will pull back their hair and be like, oh, you're bald, and be like, ill. She also says that she everything that was blocking her path to seeing this prostitute to making this reservation had focused itself in the bald spot. So it's kind of like the thing where you know where you sit there and be like, I'll start this, yeah. but I just have to fix this first. It's like the bald yeah. spot is the I have to fix this first. Yeah. And she eventually makes a reservation. Yeah, and but she like, and one thing that I love about it is they spend a, she spends a lot of time obsessing over this bald spot. Yeah, yeah. And like, I felt like it really captured where she's doing all these good things, but there's one thing that she, all she has to do is wait, and the hair will grow back. Mm-hmm. But she obsesses over it so much, and it takes up pages and pages and pages, and like that. I that works so well. Well, it's it's also right before she makes the reservation. There's, she does this thing where she jumps between. You know, she has like four panels on a page, and every other one is her saying like, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make the reservation." And then it's like, "No, I can't do it. No, she's gonna look. It's gonna look weird." And then she's like, "No, I gotta do it." Yeah, I mean, she she says like, uh, all this uh, anxiety over this uh, basically kept her from working. So she's like, "I'm just gonna do it. Get over with. Fuck my ball spot. Whatever." do it this is one of my favorite panels where she goes i figure anyone would recoil and hate and disgust if they were confronted with the real me when she's getting ready to open up and it's a like like a mr game and watch basically coming out of like a like her skin her her yeah a zipper opens in her skin yeah evening this is the real me and the person in silhouette is screaming (laughs) and like the, the, the the like real her is so like smiley and happy and it's just like 
And that's when she does the, like, am I going to be okay? Can I do this? How do I open up to other people? Who cares? I'm looking forward to it. Oh, no, I can't do it. Like, yeah, and she starts having nightmares about trying to, like, that there's a dead body under her bed that she was sheltering a fugitive, that the prostitute had come over and she had to hide her from her mom and be like, no, she's just a friend. She's just taking a bath right now. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like, oh, I'm a grown-up. I need to get over this. And the me trying to please my parents needs to fuck off essentially yeah. but it, she's also wondering too where she's like they, they need to get out of here but do i have to constantly keep protecting this this my own like power and my own responsibility from myself from the me that's trying to please my parents with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> yeah next issue is the day of the actual event she goes to meet this person at the train oh, station. Oh, that's great. I just want to point out, my, one of my favorite little things, it's just like the the sad state of her life is that because she had no money, she had to borrow money to the, pay the prostitute from her mom. Oh, from her parents, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really nice detail. <laughs> and she even says, like, she gladly gave it to me. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But, like, I just... It like was such a it was such like a oh god. Oh, and, and also she says that she didn't feel like so guilty about doing that because we forgot to point out that she a big reason for her doing this and for her pushing herself to do this is that she's like I can use this the information from this experience to help write my manga, which is like always yeah. an interesting way to frame it when you're like oh I need to do this because this, this will help me in the future like the the rationalizations that yeah. you, you pull sometimes to do stuff and. So she dresses up. She goes to the train station to meet this lady, Yuka. And she's very friendly. Like we said before, she's drawn like pretty conventionally anime attractive. Yeah. Oh, but before before Yuka shows up, the main character also says, I wish I had friends out of nowhere. Which kind of comes in again later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. She basically, they start chatting. They go to a love hotel. And <laughs> she's like, this is finally the real deal. Like, I see other couples in the hallway. Yeah, what's interesting is she she's able to remember and she recollects, like, all these little, like, weird things about the experience that gives, like, you know, it's like small details add makes it authentic vividness yeah. to life yeah where it's like the automatic welcome sound that plays is skipping when they walk yeah in. and that they were doing construction yeah. on it so they didn't know if this was the right love hotel or if they'd have to go to another one and like the mm-hmm. couple that walks by them that kind of thing um and they pick their room which is crazy i've never seen this before what is this like you go up to a monitor and pick what <laughs> kind of bedroom you want to have in a love yeah. hotel <laughs> i gotta we gotta move to japan <laughs> hey so prostitution is legal in japan by the way i don't think i don't think it would be but like because they're pretty open about this yeah she just orders her online and then they text her and she's like I'll but see i mean you. that's the thing that we do in america and it's not legal here but you order prostitutes online I mean, I don't. Can you give me the website? I don't. <laughs> some people do. <laughs> maybe, maybe they don't actually. They never actually say the company or anything. Maybe it's still kind of secret. I, yeah. I guess I don't know. Yeah. So they talk about the fact that she's never done anything with anyone. Yeah. And they take a, they take a shower together, and sh- and the prostitute's like bathing her, washing her arms. And the pro- the prostitute is always like very optimistic and happy because she asks her, "It's like, have you done stuff with any like boys or girls?" It's like nothing, nothing at all. I've never been on a date. This is my first time at Love Hotel. And the prostitute's like, "Oh, really? Wow, it's kind of an honor. Is there anything you're interested in doing?" It's like all this yeah. bubbly and niceness, and she's just she's overwhelmed with all these options. She doesn't so even know what to do. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always sweaty. Yeah, always so sweaty and blushing. And like she's she says like even if I had requests, I couldn't just come out and say them like that. Yeah. But like it's a prostitute. That's like the point. But then she's she really says, nice like, for a prostitute, by the way. But like, it, sh- yeah. it shows her how repressed she is. <laughs> Well, then she says, I realized it wouldn't be so easy to just switch into things like this yep. after 28 years thinking sex equals bad. Yep. Yeah. That's what, what I was saying my hesitation, my second hesitation in the story. I was worried they're, they're going, like, the, the thing I like about the story is, like, in, in general, top anxiety stuff, it's very realistic. There's, like, mm-hmm. no romanticization to it whatsoever, really. Mm-hmm. Except for, like, for, for sake of humor. And, yeah. like, uh, I was worried they're going to try to paint it, like, once she has sex, like, her problems get solved or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But she just realizes, like, no, I'm way out of my league here. Like, this is, this is, uh, the real turning point from her was the decision to make the prostitute call. It wasn't really the prostitute event itself. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, so the prostitute, like, she lays down. They first take a shower and bath together. Yeah. yeah. And she brushes her teeth right away. Is that a thing? That like why? Because this happens again later. Why are they? Why do they brush their like, teeth? You're gonna kiss and stuff. Yeah, if you're gonna kiss, you you want to make sure that your mouth's clean. Like, yeah, yeah. This person's a Japanese prostitutes are very very efficient. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. So she lays down. The prostitute kisses her, and then like Sly said, it goes from like, is this gonna be like a romantic hot moment? But she's like, oh, her lips are kind of hard. I don't know what I'm doing. Is this like a 
This is like a, a yeah. Porn. She keeps thinking back to Yaoi comics, like boys love yeah, stuff, yeah. and it's like she's just so completely unprepared for this. Where she's like trying to relate it to Dojinchi, and she's trying to like reconcile what's happening with like the things that she thought was going to happen. Like that, it doesn't feel that romantic when you're in the moment. It's just like it's just physicality. It's intimacy happening. Yeah, and she says like I could. There's all these. Um, the prostitute was making all these sounds for me, but I couldn't figure out like how to respond to any of them. Like, and I love that she gets so in her head where she's like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to react. Like, what face am I supposed to make? Am I reacting wrong? Mm-hmm. And then she can't stop thinking about it. And then she's like, why Why did I suddenly think I'd be fine in a place like this? I can just barely handle normal conversations yeah. with yeah. other people. They make such an interesting thing here where she's like, if... This is, like, sex is, like, high-level human communication. I can't even yeah. do basic human communication. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, I can't... I'm trying to play baseball, but I can't catch. And, I, yeah, and, I play and she, compares, she compares it to like a, a a bracket, a tournament bracket, and that she has to fight the winner of the bracket. Like she had yeah. moved yeah. up so many steps, and she's just incapable of doing this. And the other brackets are labeled necessary experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she she talks about like like uh, the sexual the search for sexual pleasure and like the moment will will make overcome. Her anxiety around being around people. Oh yeah, they have like a scale, and it's like se- yeah. like Sly saying sexual pleasure, pleasure, and anxiety are like I, tipping point. I, I love it. Yeah. It speaks to like again her comedic timing with that because that that stuff comes up after the prostitute goes down and she touches her crotch, and then the prostitute goes down to kiss it, and she thinks to herself, "This this might help, you know, this might be the thing." And then it shows the scales about sexual pleasure and the anxiety, but the anxiety still wins out. Yeah, <laughs> by like a lot. Yeah, like, that scale <laughs> gets totally her. smashed. And she's just wondering, like, if she's broken. Like, I'm just broken. Like, I can't. Even during sex, I'm not falling fall into the throws of passion. Like, <laughs> yeah. a regular and, person should, should be. And it's drawn like this is the climax of, like, a DBZ fight. <laughs> like, she's it's a black backer, and she's like, oh, my God, this might yeah. help. And, like, it's so intense. But, like, that makes sense because this is the climax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, narratively. It yeah. is not her climax. And then eventually the prostitute starts fingering her, and she's like, uh, have you ever put anything inside yourself? And she's like, uh, no, I don't even know where I would. <laughs> I, I like this moment, by the way. It's like it's like one of those wonderfully awkward moments where she's yeah. just fingering. It's not even like she's pleasuring her anymore. She's like, where's your hymen? Yeah, yeah she's, so, she's trying to find her hymen. She's like, I don't find your hymen. It's not here. And then she's like, eventually they just sit there doing this and she's looking for a while, like her lost wallet, it says. like, yeah. And she's like, I just can't find it. And she's like, oh my God, what is happening? Like, Yeah, and she says she was overcome with this oppressive feeling and started getting nauseous. It shows her going like, ugh. <laughs> And then she's like, uh, the prostitute's like, okay, you want to try fingering me instead? And she's like, I don't want to say no, but I really don't want to do it. So like, how do I say it without being rude? Yeah. I, and I love this because she says, I can't exactly say, nah, I'm not really interested in fingering you in a way that won't sound rude. I should have just said, I'm scared, so let's just stop. But, and then she says, want to stop? And she goes, I guess my body language took care of that for yeah. me. And they end, up, they end up kind of like just hugging and she's shaking and not even able to really hug her because she doesn't even know where to put her arms she doesn't feel like she yeah. has like again any right to do that and stuff. the way she's drawn her arms are just like dead weight next to her yeah yeah, yeah. And, and she's thinking to herself like like the prostitute hugs her and says you're really cute aren't you nagata and you're really kind aren't no, you No, you're really kind it's very yeah cool. yeah and she's she saying, says i'm not i'm so sorry i'm so sorry i'm not kind at all and then because she feels she feels bad for being sexually selfish i guess <laughs> yeah and then the the timer ends and so they take another bath to wrap up and she's like you know it's a big like. Do you have any questions? Like, uh, it's, you want to take a survey? Tell me how I did. Yeah, it's yeah. a big world out there. There's a lot that you hard to understand. You'll have a lot of different experiences. So like, I hope you can be happy and nice. Like, it's really nice because she like, she she pays first and then she walks her back to the train station like holding hands with her, mm-hmm. like friends. And she's like, I wish I had friends. Like, yeah, that's yeah, probably <laughs> what I probably what I really wanted. Out of this. Yeah, out of this. Yeah. Which is like when when you get so repressed, there's there. There can be a lot of different like thoughts going through your head about like, do I want like a, a parental figure? Do I want a lover? Do I just want someone to like talk to? And it, yeah. it shows how like kind of like sticky your own emotions and feelings and desires can be when you haven't acknowledged them for so long. Where you're like, I don't know what I want. I just I want to belong. Like in yeah. from the first yeah. chapter. And I love this because she says she was so nice, but with my heart still closed tight, all her well-meaning feelings and actions just went spilling out onto the carpet. I turned and descended the stairs into the train station and that ends the chapter. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this person was so nice. And she says, like, if it was somebody else, it would have been a disaster. But luckily it was her and it was just 
okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing went wrong. Yeah. Issue five starts with her. She fell asleep as soon as she got home. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she could like still feel the soap and she still feels like her touch on her ears. And she's thinking about like how sex was. She's like, I thought so long as I had a body with genitals, it'd all be fine. Mm-hmm. But that's not all you need. It turns out sex is communication. And she is like, you know what? I'm just going to go eat. And she runs downstairs and her parents left her food and she eats a tomato and all of a sudden she gets like <laughs> like an epiphany flashbacks yeah. <laughs> where she's like oh my god kisses are like eating tomatoes yeah. <laughs> and she's like now i'm one of the people that knows everyone always talks about sex like they know and now i'm one of the people that knows like a big secret that... <laughs> <laughs> and that's when she like when she realizes that it's over and she doesn't have to worry about it anymore she's like what the fuck was i even worrying about this whole time and, like, I'm done, and, like, now no one can judge me, and, like, pre- prevailing trends in society are no match <laughs> for me. Yeah. And she now she starts to get much more open, where she now reads books that are, like, lesbian magazines. Well, first she looks first she looks up, like, she does that, but she also looks up uh, what, what, what her hymen, too. She, yeah, she didn't even know what her vagina was. Yeah. Like, she didn't know what a urethra was or anything. <laughs> yeah. She was looking up, like, her own anatomy for the first time, being like, yeah. oh, yeah. that's and what's in there. There's no way there's something like that down there. Right? <laughs> and that's another thing about, about um, uh, Japanese culture that this kind of reflects, like, you know, they have a lot of sex stuff in Japanese culture. Uh, they're very repressed as a society, generally. Mm-hmm. And, like, here, that kind of reflects that because... She it's knows just publicly... She... It's, like, it's considered shameful publicly to do sex stuff. So stuff, stuff like sex ed is conceen- it's seen as, like, obscene. Yeah, and that's, this, it creates this weird scenario here where she looks at, like, Yao and, like, she fantasizes about Yaoi holes. She goes on Yahoo Answers! <laughs> <laughs> but she like, fantasizes about Yao holes, which is, like, a mysterious... Okay, I've never heard of this. <laughs> Yaoi hall. Well, how much have you in New York... How, how much are you in, in like, the Yaoi scene, man? I, I'm not, but, like, I just... I, I feel like I should have heard of this at some point. Is it, did you hear about this, Daryl? No, I haven't. So it's either, like a, actually, it's it's kind of like a vagina for a essentially. Man. It's for guys who fuck each other. Yeah. That, yeah, they have a hole that's not their butt. Yeah, that's just yeah. like this magical hole yeah. that acts like a vagina. I guess. <laughs> Is this a real thing that we have? You ever yeah. Ryan? <laughs> you see, a lot of like internet culture. Like people who don't have a healthy view of sex, they like create these fantasies, like what what they think sex is yeah, like so yeah yeah like, there's, there's actually like there's some documentary where they're they're interviewing guys like basically like um the japanese incels i forgot what they're, they're there's a specific Otaku. Name. no there's a specific name for someone <laughs> that like always stays inside type of a person uh, and they were even talking about how they don't like real neat. girls because they like they smell and they sweat whereas like all the stuff in the fiction is so pure and pristine and perfect and it works like it works such a different way than how it works in real life kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's sort of like a, a person growing up only watching American porn their whole life is going to be very surprised once they get intimate with someone. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be like, okay, first you do the mouth thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, do a handstand and blow me. And then, uh... <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> what, what have you been watching? <laughs> Wait, okay. we don't all watch gymnastic. Uh... <laughs> Wait, you don't, guys don't do that all in your private life? Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of these kind of unrealistic fantasies, she has the realization that she's only ever read like boy on boy action mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Because she realizes that even though she refuses to think about sex, she would allow herself to have this fantasy because there's no way she could be involved. Mm-hmm. So it was a totally outside thing. And she realizes that, oh, I'm heavily influenced by like the books I read and stuff. And I only know like this weird fiction, like Phil's gymnastic stuff or whatever. <laughs> And she realized she has no sex ed whatsoever, and that's when she starts doing a lot of that research. She's repeating herself, but the problem isn't necessarily that the fiction is so, like, wild and crazy to give people the wrong idea, but it's that she was never given any of the facts in the first place, she says. Yeah, she says, yeah. like, it's, it's not the problem isn't that, oh, they're having these fictional worlds, is that she never had any sex ed, basically. Yeah. yeah. So then she starts focusing back on her manga, and she says, like... What could I draw that people would want to pay money to read? So she's like, I read all this stuff, and I'm always thinking, like, how do they write this? So what can I write that people would be interested in? Mm-hmm. And she's also, while doing this, she, she wants to make sure she wrote down what happened so she doesn't, like, romanticize it. Like, it was better than it was. Because she, was, she started to, like, think about it and romanticize it. Like, them kissing and hugging each other. And she uses, like, a pink color to identify that it's, like, romantic. Whereas the reality, it's just her staring at this woman. 
Yeah, frigidly yeah. like like a yeah. And she, so she's doing that. She was, she was writing that anyway, and also she was the manga she was working on the time was fiction, and she's just like I can't write characters. Uh, the it's, art's it's, all over what's the place. weird too is yeah she, that she feels like when she draws, if she was to draw sex scenes, she's unable to do it. When she's drawing the sex scene about her own life, it's like that's fine because you know that's reality. Yeah. First of all, she wants to read these personal stories anyway mm-hmm. as a reader, and she realizes that that's what she's good at writing anyway. These personal stories. Yeah, and then we get to that weird area where she's like, "Now I decided to write a book about my experience, like this book." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but it it goes beyond that, and it starts talking about when she's like writing it and publishing it that like the the company that she used to hire the prostitute finds her on Twitter. That they're like, oh look, this must like, be legal. This, I mean, how else could they like tweet out, "Hey, did you have prostitution at our place?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> we just also mentioned that she posted it online first on Pixiv. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's I just kind of interesting because her whole style is very like indie webcomic kind of style, mm-hmm. and it really was a windy webcomic that got published officially later on. So I think it's kind of interesting. The thing that I love about the way she responds to her like her online fans that like have been reading her stuff, she says it makes it so much easier to make friends and stuff because she was trying so hard and spending all her time trying to get people to like her and to hide the embarrassing stuff. But these people already like her and know the embarrassing stuff. So she yeah. just had like no problem talking to them. Mm-hmm. It's, it was like they got all that stuff out of the way. Everything's already on the table. Now they already know you well enough. You can talk normally more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then at this point, in her 10th year after leaving high school, the ever-present die option was on hold from her <laughs> list of actions. So, like, it went from, like, her her actions were, like, quit, lie, or die. Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like a Final Fantasy RPG dialogue box type of thing of her yeah. options. Yeah, <laughs> feign illness, keep trying, or die. Or keep trying, stop trying, and then die is on hold. You can't yeah. select die right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. And this is when she starts talking about the sweet nectar of life, where she looks at people who have their shit together, and she's like, (laughs) I guess they were drinking that sweet nectar that nobody told me about. And I realized that, oh, my sweet nectar was, like, you know, publishing my manga, and it's her, like, chugging this, like, funnel of, like, this, like, goo. (laughs) Yeah, she looks at people who have their shit together, and, and she's like, how can you wake up every day and do everything? Like, how can you do it? And she says, like, now that... She's reaching out for work, and people are accepting her work. Uh, it's finally giving her a sweet neck that she was looking for her whole life. Yeah, her reason to get up in the morning. Yeah. And she's saying, like, people are spreading her work, and she's just finally being accepted, and she's treating, she's being treated like an adult. And, like, she'll go out to dinner, and someone will, like, ask her what she wants to order, and, like, these little things. And this is when she feels like she was freed of that tiny space she was crammed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, this is, and now she, she starts praying not for uh, love or friendship. She starts praying uh, at the shrine to find a good job yeah and she she talks about the difference between being lazy and being unable to work how they look exactly the same from the outside yeah but how like one is much more serious than just like laying yeah, around anyone drinking the sweet nectar who just takes their job and the people around them lightly is being lazy but not drinking the nectar and being unable to work on an empty stomach is because you're not taking proper care of yourself yeah exactly and she one good one good point also she mentions Parents usually just t- warn you away from danger. They they don't tell you how to live your life properly most of the time, which is true even like in America and like and probably as a universal factor. Uh, your parents usually are better at just telling you don't walk off a cliff or yeah. something. Yeah, what not to do than helping you along to find the right path in life. Yeah, yeah, and this is when she publishes them with like oh sex and like her polite way, <laughs> and she starts getting really embarrassed and she's like, well, like I don't want my parents to read this stuff, and then she's like. Well, they're going to read it anyway, so I'm going to just do it. And this is when she starts to get really, really open. And she's also like, if I write a book that they won't be embarrassed by, it's going to be a shit book anyway. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this is when she starts really like showing the kind of adult she wants to be is one that does things she wants to do and is accepted by society, regardless of whether it's a stable income versus like just having a full-time job, stable income and running a household like her parents wanted her to do. And she said she basically realizes that there's no point in trying to please her parents. She should just be happy. Yeah. Near the end, it, there's this great line from her where she says, push into a corner. Even a mouse will turn and bite you. Push a 20 something into a corner and they'll go to a brothel and publish a report about it on the Internet. <laughs> that, that, that's the end of the actual issue. Yeah. 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 She walks off with her emotional baggage and into the future. And that's like the actual end of the book. But there is a bonus chapter. Yeah. So the bonus chapter is she goes back to 
the brothel or the love hotel and she gets a new prostitute and she's hoping that she doesn't know her yeah she's so embarrassed because the you know the brothel knows who she is now she's <laughs> yeah. like a manga weird manga person yeah and she's like oh did they tell you about me and she's like no they didn't tell you they didn't tell me anything oh wait you have to be the manga girl, right? <laughs> Otherwise, what would there be to tell? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. Fuck. Yeah. And it's revealed that the prostitute has her period, so they can't go as far mm-hmm. as, you know, they normally would. But they go back to the place, and she's, like, ready to try, you know, to try again. But it kind of has a, a similar Ending. a similar thing. Yeah, right? where it's yeah. like she her body, she can't do what she really wants to do. Like, it, she reaches up to touch the prostitute and it shows like her hands are shaking and she says, I basically managed to touch her hand, her breast, and her back, even though I wanted to touch more. Even though she touched me everywhere, there was a chasm between our bodies. Yeah. And she says after afterwards the prostitute says, do you want to try doing things that make your partner feel good too? And she's just like, next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then she thinks to herself, like, that'll be my next subject. <laughs> And then she's laying in bed that night and she has the horrifying realization she didn't hug her once. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, next time for sure, I'm going to do it. And she talks about how she's an amateur virgin, which is a shot to the heart. It's a term that people use against her. It's someone who's only sexual experiences with sex workers. And she's like, it looks like this is still my life for now and I'll keep living Mm -hmm. it. I like that it's not just like all tied up in a nice bow where it's like, it's great now. It speaks to Sly's point about like, she didn't see the sex worker and it's like, boom, problem solved with this. It's like she's still having problems communicating physically with other people. Like this isn't just something where, again, there's nothing in your life where you do it once and then you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I fixed my problems. Yeah. I also yeah. did look up about uh, prostitution in Japan. It's apparently, it is illegal technically, but it's not only not enforced really, but only penis and vagina counts. So like yeah. any other kind of sex, oral sex is okay. That's why I was wondering with where you see like lesbian sex, it's like, well, technically yeah. there's, there might not That's be. That's not sex. Thing. Anal sex doesn't count. That's so fucking stupid. And also, That's so weird. because it's so loosely enforced, you can say, like, we offer, our our people will get naked and bathe you, and that's legal, so then they just go further after. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I actually read it, like, ages ago. Like, they would have, like, these weird, um, like, they'll have... Soap lands. Yes, yeah, basically, rub you with soap, and, and they're like, oh, they're just having sex. Yeah, that's there's soap lands, which are just big brothels. They're also, they... they're also brushing their teeth, though. That's <laughs> just Also, yeah, you're right. th- apparently, between 20 and 40% of Japanese men have paid for sex. That is also... Wow. That seems like that's very what, high to that's me. That's yeah, at the end when, high, she, yeah. when she says at the end uh amateur version like that's such a like a problem in japan that it's like a term for people who just have <laughs> yeah the process because they're incapable of yeah yeah that's, that, that's sad yeah and, and that's that's like the book in, in itself it's sad it's like i like the the positive messages that come out of it it also just like it's one of those things where it's still a struggle which I also appreciate because yeah. it's like all of life from birth till death is going to be like a struggle to some degree. Yeah, you're, you're going to struggle for your whole life. You're going to be every day. You're going to be full of anxiety and you got to yeah. live it. And oh. it's especially like if you read stories about people, it's like I finally got over it. Now I'm perfectly fine. Like sometimes those stories don't resonate with you as much as the ones where other people are like, I'm still trying to do better, too. Yeah, yeah, the worst yeah. My, my, the worst type of stories are happy endings. <laughs> I actually tend to agree. I, I just like like. Bad endings just feel more real to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or even, just, even just like bittersweet endings. Yeah, especially in a medium like comics or manga, where it's like the whole struggle is always overcome in the last issue, and then they win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, I also want to just we were being mean to Japan, but like I just looked up in the United States, between fifteen to twenty percent of men have had prostitution mm. sex, mm. which seems pretty high to me too, but it's less high than forty percent but still well that means that if we have another man on this cast one of us will have paid for a prostitute yeah that's how statistics work <laughs> exactly <laughs> guys it was me oh my god shutting me ah uh, shit <laughs> i was that prostitute <laughs> so would you guys read more of this of course yeah, yeah I was, it, it was really good i was actually yeah. curious i'm curious to see what else she wrote like like the other stuff you're talking about like her manga and stuff like that her thoughts on her manga she has, she has another memoir coming out in june uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because like uh, I'm curious like why she, if she would go and elaborate on her high school years and like how that compared and why things changed maybe more. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, like that'll be interesting. I would like to read more about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I really love this. And Sly mentioned earlier, but I think the Jeffrey Brown the Jeffrey Brown novels like Clumsy and Unlikely mm-hmm. and Every Girl is the End of the World for me. Like all those books are like kind of a 
like a similar style that I definitely always like to recommend. Yeah, it, it's a lot more focused on like the the prickly points of relationships and how like they can yeah. sour over time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess we'll go back to a bunch of bullshit next week, right, Sly? <laughs> no, we're going to do more anime. Oh, cool. Uh, manga, rather, sorry. Yeah, so what are we doing, Sly? We're doing Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> okay, so more bullshit. <laughs> Equally the same caliber as this, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of. I can't wait for Yugi to talk about his own anxiety and desire to have sex with his mom. He has anxiety of sex with somebody. Man, man gets so fucking perverted. Like, <laughs> not, not like the stuff, like the main stuff. Like, everyone's fucking perverts in these books. We'll get to that. Just yeah. like real life. To be fair, everyone's perverts all the time. Yeah, so that's whatever. true. <laughs> but it's just so weird because I, I mean, it's because I grew up with Yugi, so I see him as like a little kid and see him like being a horny asshole. It's weird. Yeah, that is weird because again, he is like a little kid. It'd be like Ash Ketchum checking out Misty. <laughs> yeah, isn't that like? Doesn't he do that all the time? He does, oh. dude. I think. Does he? I hope. Oh, not. Maybe the manga. Maybe I'm thinking of Brock. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brock's Brock's actually a kid too, right? Is he like 13? He's yeah, like he 15. Like, he's okay. like he's a teenager, so he's. Which to them, that's like fine. <laughs> yeah, and he, she's like, Misty's younger than him, so he's like hitting on like, on like a twelve year old. No, he hits, he hits on he hits on Nurse Joy. He has let's, <laughs> let's be respectful. Okay, so <laughs> you guys should rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That's how people find us. And you should tell a friend and add a friend to our Facebook group or share an episode with them, because that's the honestly the best way. Much better than reading a review is to tell somebody to listen to us. And you should also check out comraderadio.com where all the other network shows are. And Falling Love Montage just had a great clip show that was really funny and silly. Everyone should listen to that. They mentioned me in one of the clips, so of course it's a vanity, a vanity plug. And I know I've been mentioned in a couple weeks, but we are about to end our season of we'll get it right next year an adventure in cinema and we have a new poster to unveil this one's not done by sly but everyone should check that out just search wagurney w-g-i-r-n-y on redbubble and check out our episode that just came out last saturday which is our final episode before we watch the movie so everyone should check that out cool and uh, uh thank you all for listening i've been so so happy i wish i had friends I've been drinking the sweet nectar of life, and my kisses feel like tomatoes. Stank on nudie. Comraderadio.com, independent podcasting network.